You know, the only disappointment, Brian, from the entire trip to Catalina is there was no Catalina wine mixer. (laughs) (laughs) Catalina wine mixer, largest helicopter leasing event on the West Coast. everybody this week's episode of the dcl duo podcast and we are coming to you from our beautiful one bedroom stateroom aboard the disney wonder we're actually on our second cruise second leg of our back-to-back sailing as we're recording this but we're going to rewind to the first sailing had some technical issues that prevented us from recording the first time around that we won't get into um sam lost something that we needed but we've recovered we're ready to go we're going to talk about our first cruise Prepare yourself. This may be a two-part episode because we've got two cruises to cover, four-night and a five-night, but we're going to rewind to the four-night cruise. So, Sam, let's start with what did we do in San Diego pre-cruise? Where did we stay? People usually are interested in where we stayed, how we got to the port, et cetera, et cetera. So we flew in on Monday night for a Wednesday cruise. Correct. We flew in on Alaska Airlines to the San Diego airport. We grabbed an Uber from the airport to our hotel, which is the Spring Hill Suites. It is basically a block and a half, two blocks maybe, away from where the ship docks in the port of San Diego. The Spring Hill Suites is part of the Marriott, I believe, brand. And uh, it's a nice hotel with a free breakfast or included breakfast. So nothing fancy, but totally convenient, nice. We spent the day on Tuesday in the morning. You and I did some work uh, since we did not take the full day off of work. And then we headed to a park for Nathan to get some wiggles out. Actually, we said we headed to a park down the street from our hotel, maybe two blocks. And then we walked down the street to a taco spot that was recommended to us in our Facebook group for lunch called Puestas. I think it was. Puesto. Puesto. It was a nice little spot for tacos. I don't know that I would seek it out again. We, we went there because it was in a waterfront area and I thought we might be able to sort of sit outside on the water and have some tacos, but it's buried in kind of a shopping center. So uh, we did get to sit outside. The food was good, probably a little pricey for what it was, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but the food was decent and it was a nice long walk for all of us to get some steps in for the day. After lunch, we walked back down the waterfront and we went to the, I'm going to get it wrong. It was Midway. The USS Midway, Sam. <laughs> it's reminding me, I, I have named that ship everything but what it is. But we took the tour of the USS Midway with uh, with Nathan. He had a blast. We got to tour through most of the ship spaces. The only space we didn't see was the engine room. But lots of cool little facts about uh, aircraft carriers and the Midway. And we had a blast there. So what did you think of the Midway tour? I really enjoyed it. Um, it was cool seeing all of the smaller airplanes on you know in the hangar and on the top uh, deck and learning about how they actually would you know launch these aircrafts from the from the aircraft carrier. Very cool. Also knowing that this uh, carrier was involved in World War II and then was also involved in Operation Desert Storm was, you know, interesting history. And uh, it was a cool experience. And after the midway, we ran some errands or some things that we forgot to uh, to pack. So Sam went to the Ross Dress for Less to grab a couple of things that we missed packing primarily for Nathan, I think. And then uh, I hopped a scooter and scooter rode around San Diego. They have lots of electric scooters in and around downtown. I think we've said that before. It's a great way to get around downtown. They have more restrictions on the scooters than the last time that we were in San Diego. So lots of no parking zones, lots of specific designated parking areas. And you got to walk a good two blocks off kind of the main waterfront area to even find one. And then you can't park it anywhere near that area. But uh, still a fun way to get 
get around from place to place quickly. I don't recommend it for kids, obviously. So, but you know, adults, it's a great way to just get around downtown quickly. Uh, so I scootered on over to the Little Italy area of San Diego while Sam and Nathan hit up the park one more time before dinner. And then we met up with some family at our new favorite restaurant in San Diego called The Crack Shack, which is a Richard Blaze owned restaurant. He actually has two restaurants next door to each other. One is more of a not fine dining. I wouldn't call it that, but upscale dining restaurant for him. And then the one next door is just an outdoor fried chicken spot. And we got the flock combo, uh, which for any of you out there who know us would make a lot of sense. <laughs> met up with some family, had some good fried chicken, let the kids uh, play together and uh, called it a night with some good drinks and some good food. And then headed back to the hotel for embarkation eve and to get some rest the next day before the, uh, before the ship sailed. So what up the next morning embarkation day we did something a little different on embarkation day we had uh, a lot of luggage in tow because nathan was with us this time and we were packing for nine days on the ship plus two days at disneyland on the back end we tend to only pack for about half of the trip but it meant we had a little bit more luggage than we had bargained for plus we had nathan's car seat and so we decided to take an uber from the hotel to the port even though we literally could have walked across the street to the port we just didn't want to try to drag all the all the luggage uh, ourselves so hopped an uber headed over to the port. Uh, we were sailing concierge again, so we had whatever port arrival time we wanted. And so we opted to try to get on at 1030, the earliest port arrival time. Did not let the Uber through the gates at 1020 to drop luggage. So we did park outside and he let us out. And then we got into at San Diego. They they have been doing on some sailings, they've been doing lines outside the port by port arrival time. So lined up in the 1030 line, there were folks who were already there lined up for the 1045 port arrival. And then there were folks who were standing off to the side waiting for later port arrival time lines to form. Uh, I'd say they opened the port right at 1030. We got in, we were probably, I don't know, 20, 30 people deep in the line, uh, did our testing. I will say we'll get into the second leg of this trip later uh, or maybe next show, I guess. But I will say our port arrival was a bit organized, but very chaotic once we got past the front gate of the port. So we did our testing, which was fine. Testing only took about, you know, three minutes. And then I think the testing came back in about 10 or actually about 15, 20 minutes. It took a lot longer than we thought it was going to, which was giving us some anxiety. But uh, once the testing came back, when we went to check in, there was an issue with Sam's photo at check-in or something with Sam's passport. We don't know what exactly, which was really odd for us because Disney, I had done all the check-in stuff online. I had gotten the clear to sale, no issues uh, from Disney on the check-in. So we were green to check-in, but then there was some issue with her passport. Everyone, it seemed like at the port, was training or in training. It makes some sense because Disney's now permanently basing the ship out here. My guess is they're hiring up more staff or permanently basing it out here for now. But it's here for the next, you know, year to 18 months, it seems like. So uh, they're probably hiring up some staff to start regularly staffing the port of San Diego when she returns from the Alaska season. It meant a lot of people didn't know what was going on and seemed very sort of clueless almost as to what they needed to be doing at times. And so... We went to the concierge check-in. They had to direct us to assisted check-in, but then the person sent us to the wrong line. So we were standing in a very long line with a bunch of crew who were trying to check in to get onto the ship for their, their service rotation. I finally got out of the line and went to one of the supervisors and just asked if we were even in the right spot because it really made no sense for to me that the you know there were guests sort of waiting in line behind all of these crew members uh, to get on board. And she quickly said, no, that's not the line you should be in and directed us and some other guests into what was now a wide open line for her desk. So 
Uh, she did manage to fix her issues, but they were clearly having a bunch of technical glitches too. Her her tablet wasn't working. She had to have another supervisor come over. It took many, many, many minutes to get what was ultimately a pretty basic issue resolved uh, and get us past the check-in point. So Disney seems to continue to be plagued with tech problems. From I've heard more than once from crew member that the upgrade that they recently had is causing all kinds of downstream problems for the ship. Uh, and at the same time, it seems like they're still working on training up a lot of new folks uh, to handle the traffic that they're experiencing now. So th- they've still got a lot of kinks to work out. I heard prior sailings were perhaps even worse than the one we experienced. So lots of kinks to work out. If you're coming through San Diego, just be prepared. There may be issues. Hopefully they will start to resolve it and figure out the right process. Uh, I'll say just a preview for the other sailing. The other issue is that sometimes when the Disney ship is in port, it doesn't get to berth at its regular location. And so they have to, uh, if there are other ships in port, they have to berth at a different location, which causes the entire check-in process to ship, shift across the street to the Wyndham Hotel, which is its own special kind of disaster, which we will talk about in the next episode. So we did get checked in, got our concierge stickers, got on board very quickly. No more Mickey and Minnie show in the atrium as you board. There's just too many people on board. Our ceiling had about 1,300 passengers uh, on the four-night cruise. And Mickey was in the atrium. So you did get welcomed in and announced by your family name. And Mickey was on the atrium stairs waving at you to welcome you on board. They just did not do Minnie wasn't there and there was no song and dance uh, for the welcome. So did our muster station check in? We again headed to Triton's for the concierge lunch, a sit down lunch, which has become a favorite of ours on this sailing. And we'll talk about this a bit more as well in the next episode. The social distancing protocols remained in place. Other protocols had been relaxed. So on this sailing, mask wearing was optional. And I would say we saw probably about, I'd say somewhere between 25 and 30 percent of people on the sailing wearing masks out in public areas and spaces. Uh, kids club check-ins had our kids club reservations had also been taken away as of this sailing that happened a few weeks ago. Uh, I would say we were able to check Nathan into the club when we wanted. There were no capacity restrictions or limitations. I'd say mask wearing in the kids club was probably about the same as we saw on board, like, you know, but maybe closer to, you know, 15 to 20% of the kids in the club wearing masks. Uh, crew are still wearing the KN95 masks. All food was still crew served on on this first sailing. So Cabanas, we didn't go into Cabanas, but we heard Cabanas remained limited offering crew served uh, meals. So I would say the ship still felt like it was in kind of a mostly protocol kind of place. 1300 did not feel super crowded, but it actually you know did feel more crowded than obviously our, our New Orleans sailing of 700 passengers. Activity offerings, I thought, were less limited than they had been in the past, but still not as many as I've seen before, but good amount of activities. Yeah, I would say there was a, a quite a I would say there's quite a few new activities. There were some new game show offerings that I noticed on the Navigator app, some new activities, a lot of craft activities that they have brought back more than on our previous sailings. So I would say it's it's things are much more back to normal despite on that first cruise this being you know mostly still social distance and a lot of people still wearing masks they also did require masks in the Walt Disney Theater for the shows there was no social distancing required so they were not separate spreading people out seat wise but everyone was required to wear a mask and they were even handing out masks on the way into the theater if you didn't have one yourself One of the new offerings that they had on this sailing was a family silent DJ party. So we've seen silent DJ parties prior to the pandemic, but we had only seen adult ones. 
And on this sailing, they had two different times or two different days where they did a family version at about 7.15 p.m. So they had that two different nights. That was really fun. The shows they had, first night, they had Turning Red in the main theater. The second night, they had Golden Mickeys. The third night, Frozen was scheduled but got canceled. More about that in a little bit. And then the last night, they had Disney Dreams in the main theater. Um, We also heard that the Princess Royal Tea, which was scheduled for day four, the sea day, was also canceled. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So we did have a lot of uh, things sort of not run as normal or were canceled. And we are hearing, uh, well, it's, it's publicly known. The Wonder is currently in orange status with the CDC, which means that at least, I think, 0.3% of the crew are experiencing COVID or COVID-like symptoms. Um, we have heard or we heard on the ceiling that uh, the entertainment crew had experienced a bit of a little outbreak you know, along those lines. And so a lot of them were in isolation and quarantine out of caution uh, because they had been in close contact with each other. And so as a result, uh, it sounds like a lot of the princess and entertainment staff were in isolation and quarantine. And so that meant no Princess T. Uh, It meant no Princess Tiana and Mardi Gras night in Tiana's and no Louis at Mardi Gras night in Tiana's. So we had the band and they had the parade, but there was no Tiana and no Louis. It also meant that Frozen was canceled. The stage show for Frozen was canceled again because the entertainment staff was being quarantined. Uh, We'll talk about that a bit more and its impact on our current sailing on the five night sailing we took back to back uh, at the next show. But uh, for this sailing, it meant sort of lots of cancellations of the activities that would involve uh, entertainment staff. I actually did notice as well. And I think this was not sort of widely announced. I, I did not see as many characters out and about on the four night sailing. And I think that that's probably because a lot of the same people who would play the characters are the ones who were being isolated in quarantine. So far fewer characters out on the decks, far fewer characters that I saw in the atrium as we were passing through. So it it did feel like there has been some impact to this ship from being in orange status. And, you know, hopefully the crew remains safe. Interesting that at this moment in time, Disney is further lifting social distancing restrictions when, um, you know, it's, it's got an impacted crew here. So Uh, We'll be interested to see if that continues or if as restrictions lift and hopefully the pandemic abates a bit that we start to see things return to to normal. But that was the impact. And to be clear, it's not the entire entertainment staff that was impacted. We heard there were a couple of people who had tested positive, a couple of crew, and and therefore there were a, a handful of additional crew who were just being monitored. And so they were in quarantine for a certain amount of time you know, to see if whether or not they developed COVID. So it wasn't a huge outbreak. It was a very small, very small number. Um, Sam, let's talk about dining. So we talked a little bit. Um, we, we, we got to experience Tiana's and animators. Uh, spoiler, we did not get to experience Tritons on the ceiling because we had Palo dinner that night. We wanted to take advantage of our platinum benefit for our free Palo meal uh, and opted not to have the brunch because we've had it a ton of times, opted to do dinner, which is something we've done less on these ships. So animators and Tiana's, again, to hit the highlights here, I think the food offering was pretty typical. I thought the food was good. The service was good. Disney quality. So didn't have any hiccups there. I didn't notice anything of huge note here, Sam, for the food on board the sailing. Yeah, I would say the only thing of note in the dining rooms would be on animators. Our first night, we did have Sorcerer Mickey come through and and do that whole thing. We did not have animation magic, nor do we have animation magic on this sailing. 
Night two was Tiana's, which was the Mardi Gras night. So we had the Mardi Gras menu. And as Brian said, we had the crawfish crooners and the whole second line parade thing, but not with no Tiana and no Louie. And then night three, we were in Tiana's again, but it was pirate night. There were um, there was no pirate deck party, but there were some pirate activities around the ship. And there were fireworks, um, Disney Ever After fireworks that evening as well. And then the last night of the cruise, as Brian said, we went to Palo, so we missed Tritons. I did, however, uh, order off the Tritons menu one of the uh, the second night of the cruise when we were in Tiana's. On Pirate Night, we hadn't had the Pirate menu in a while. Um, I think it's an updated. When I say updated, it's it hasn't been updated since the restart, but it was updated from pre-pandemic. So it's a different menu than uh, the Pirate menu was pre-pandemic. And it's still, still and still not and still not a great menu. I think it's a little bit better than it was previously, but it's still not our favorite menu. And so we're going to be skipping it on this second cruise. Yeah. And Pirate Night was still typical Pirate Night. We got the uh, bandanas left in our stateroom. Crew was dressed up as pirates, which is a little jarring to see in Tiana's place, a bunch of pirates in Tiana's place. But yay, it happened. Uh, I agree with Sam. The food was marginal for the pirate menu. I mean, not marginal in terms of its quality. It just we don't find that to be a very fun menu or a good menu for us. So I know a lot of people enjoy Pirate Night. So it's there. If you like the pirate menu, it's been updated since they, you know, uh, since pre-COVID times. So go enjoy yourself. Uh, no knock on Pirate Night, just not our thing. I did want to pause and talk about our stateroom on that last sailing because it will be worth mentioning a difference between staterooms that we have between sailing. So our first sailing, we did do a category 2B, one bedroom concierge stateroom. This is the same kind of stateroom that we had on the sailing on the Wonder back in February. Nathan is now enamored with the entire concierge experience. He loves being a celebrity in the concierge lounge and all the free not Coke Zero, Sprite Zero, he can handle. And so, yes, he does not like regular Sprite. He likes Sprite Zero. Um, and so uh, he's loving the concierge lounge. He loved the room. Interestingly, so we finally got a chance to try out the sofa bed in the one bedroom. I will say that is a saggy sofa bed. So it does not look comfortable. If you are thinking about putting some adults on that sofa bed, at least the one in the room we had looked a little old and probably needed at least a new mattress, if not a new sofa. But Nathan was fine in it. The other interesting thing was because of the configuration of the room, the sofa bed basically folds out and is like right up against the console where the TV is. So you're not going to be able to have any space to walk between the TV and the sofa bed. I thought it was interesting that Disney went that route as a traditional pull-out couch sofa bed. I would have liked to seen them just basically design a nicer piece of furniture with the twin bed that they have in the standard rooms where it folds over because that bed is comfortable. Uh, it has a real mattress in it. And so I think that's a nice, nicer option potentially to put in there for a family with a with a child. The room sleeps two more people in the master because there's master bed and then there's a wall bed that pulls down. Don't like to have our son sleeping in the same room with us because then he likes to get used to it and <laughs> we have all kinds of problems when we get home. So we, we don't do family bed and that kind of stuff. So Nathan was sleeping on the sofa. We could have had him in the pull down bed. He was perfectly comfortable on the sofa. Let me be clear for, you know, a kid who's eight years old. He's not going to notice the difference. But if your adults trying to sleep on that thing, it just did not look comfortable at all. Otherwise, stateroom was great. Great stateroom, stateroom host. Uh, loved the space in the stateroom. Loved being able to have the balcony to go out on. 
drink cart pass by every night as usual. Uh, one thing of note on the drink cart that has changed uh, for those sailing concierge, they are still doing the, the trolley, even though they're starting to sail full and concierge, but they have limited the offering. So now instead of it being kind of an open bar trolley that they'll make you whatever you want, they, they have generally two drink options that are mixed drinks, and then they've got wine and champagne and that, that kind of stuff. Uh, but you can't just order whatever mixed drink you want. You have to take one of the two options they have. Makes total sense to me. I don't think it diminishes the experience at all. If you want something different, you can always head up to the lounge, which is nice. Last thing I'll say about our room, I think room choice is really important uh, in terms of area of ship for the concierge staterooms on board, at least the Wonder, probably the Magic as well, because they're interdispersed with the regular cabins. Our one bedroom was in the aft. It put us really far away from the lounge and a lot of the stuff that we wanted to do. So we will probably prioritize midship or forward in the future for our stateroom. We usually like to sail forward because we can get up into the adult spaces a lot faster, at least on the Dream and the Fantasy. I also just continue to find it interesting that the concierge suites are sitting right below the pool deck because you do get noise. And so, yeah, in the morning you get noise. And I just I, I think it's weird, especially we were docked recently next to one of the Holland America ships. And you could tell what they had done is put kind of some okay staterooms right under the pool deck. And then the really nice staterooms were one deck down from that. So they weren't right under the pool deck. And so just just interesting. We do tend to like to sail higher up in the ship for the motion aspect and to be able to get the great views. But I do find that interesting. Sam, it looked like you want to say something about the stateroom. Actually, I wanted to say something about the drink trolley because it was something I noticed on this sailing that I did not notice on the last sailing. Besides the fact that there's the cheese plate, which is a wonderful thing that we get most nights, but there's Actually, they offer juice for the kids. So they have a, a bunch of different choices of juices that they had offered every time they've come by thus far. So stateroom was lovely. Um, Sam, let's talk. I think the stars of the show this time for us are we're going to talk about some port stops. And actually, you know, what? before we get there, uh, I want to set up a little interlude here because we did have some wonderful drinks in the French Quarter Lounge. We got to meet up with some friends on board. Prior guests on our show, Big Cruiser, Big Cruise Blogger, huge Disney Cruise Line fan, Jason Leppert of Popular Cruising, who also writes now, I think, for Cruise Critic on occasion. And so got to meet up with him and his wife, Heidi, for drinks in the French Quarter Lounge and just have a lovely little chat with them about cruising. And with that, I'm just going to segue and pause for a second because we recorded a little audio with them. All right, we are interrupting our regular trip report coverage because we bumped into some more friends on board our cruise that we wanted to say hello to on the air. And so I want to welcome back Jason Leppert and his wife, Heidi, to our show. Welcome, Jason. Great to be here. Good to see you in person. <laughs> hello. Hello. Now, Heidi hasn't been on before, but uh, we were talking to Jason and Heidi last night in the French Quarter Lounge. And Jason, this is your first cruise back with Disney since the restart. And so how has it been for you two? It's been awesome. You know, I've been on several cruises since the pandemic has uh, you know, waned, but this is my first Disney cruise back. And uh, it's just still as impressive as ever. I love it. You know, it's that less people on board, so you can't go wrong with that. And Heidi, you said you really enjoyed standing out of, sailing out of San Diego. So home port advantage here was uh, was that a smooth process for you? Oh my gosh, home port advantage! I think this is the first time in like 15 years I've sailed out of San Diego. So I got to like do errands in the morning. I cleaned my kitchen, got a pedicure, and I was like, "This is so crazy!" Not having to like scramble to get on a flight. So we definitely want to sail out of San Diego more often. Definitely. What's next for you on Disney Cruise Line, Jason? Well, we're going to actually be on the Disney Wish, so we'll be one of the first ones on board there to see all that, and really excited about the Hyperspace Lounge in particular, and seeing who's actually going to be the godmother. We don't know yet, so we're excited to to get all that in. Yeah. 
What are you looking forward to most on board? You have one, you said hyperspace lounge, but any, any really particular thing that you, you got to try? Well, hyperspace lounge, I, I think we're going to be there probably nightly, I would imagine. But uh, Ashante, I think, you know, being the new specialty restaurant on board is going to be something that we want to check out in the new menu. And sounds exciting for sure. Sounds tasty. <laughs> what about you, Heidi? Anything you're particularly looking forward to on The Wish? I think the spa, the outdoor area for the spa is going to be really cool. Just using their like thermal pool outside and relaxing. Yeah, that'll be fun during the day and then hyperspace lounge at night for sure and i should add i forgot about the aqua mouse that's going to be fun yeah yeah taking that up from the aqua duck and making it uh, more of the true attraction now that's going to be really exciting well we have a lot of the same things that we are excited to do too also excited for the new menu at palo and to see maybe if they have a little bit different brunch offering there too so yeah, yeah 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 what's next for you in terms of not disney cruising yeah, so my next for me is I'm actually going to be on Viking Octantis. So Viking uh, Ocean and Viking River have been out. This is now their first expedition product. And I'm going to be sailing on that from uh, Barbados up to New York, actually, as it transitions to their Great Lakes sailing. So very exciting there, too. Nice, nice. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your, your well-deserved vacation to talk to us. And thanks for coming back. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. <laughs> All right, we're back. I hope you enjoyed that little interlude with Jason and his wife, Heidi. Fun to have them back on the show for a little bit. But let's talk port stops. First port stop, Sam, Catalina Island off the coast of California, about an hour boat ride from Los Angeles, Long Beach area. Uh, I had visited Catalina many years ago uh, when I was a high schooler or just out of high school. Some friends and I took a trip over to Catalina just to see what it was all about. This, however, was Disney's first time calling on the port of Catalina. So a little bit of fanfare. Some plaques were exchanged, which we understand is the typical custom when a new ship calls on a new port. Uh, To be clear, this wasn't just the Wonders' first time sailing into Catalina. It was Disney's first time sailing into Catalina. Catalina does get ships in from, I believe, Holland America, Carnival. I don't know if they said Royal or not, but I know Holland America and Carnival call on them. Uh, But yes, there was an exchange. So the ship gives the city a plaque and the city gives the Disney Wonder a plaque to hang to show that they called on the port. Not quite sure where that plaque hangs on the ship. Maybe we could ask the concierge and go take a photo of it at some point. But exchange of plaques. And then I had an 8.15 a.m. parasailing trip. Uh, I had booked this trip before, but I do want to give a special shout out to Mikhail and Dan over at Sometime Sailing. They happen to be on the Majestic Princess. And spoiler, you'll be hearing from them in a few minutes. Uh, Majestic Princess uh, for Princess Cruise Lines. And they had called on Catalina a few days ahead of us and gave us some wonderful recommendations that we followed almost all of them. One of the recommendations they gave was to parasail. So I was really happy that I had booked that. But I had an 8.15 a.m. parasailing. And so I was on the very first tender off of the wonder to Catalina. And because we were the first passengers coming ashore from Disney Cruise Line, they had boats lined up to do a little water arch to welcome us to Catalina Island for the first time. And so that was a lot of fun. Ships horns blaring and all that sort of stuff. So a lot of fun to be the first visitors from Disney Cruise Line to Catalina. I will say Catalina looks a lot different today than it did when I visited in probably 1996. Uh, It has really uh, just grown. Lots more tourist offerings. Uh, They've built a whole new community in one of the bays that was not there when I visited last, I don't believe. We loved Catalina. Loved Catalina. Parasailing was a lot of fun. It was a little cold at 8.15 in the morning and the marine layer had not quite burned off, but they said they were seeing whales on occasion, great views of the ship, great views of the harbor, just really serene. And unlike parasailing at Castaway Key, we got a lot of time up in the air. So they send the boat out for an hour. There are actually only three of us on the boat, so we were out for a half hour. But I think 
I got 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes up in the air, as did uh, the couple that was with me. They got 10 to 15 minutes up in the air together. Uh, they had a picture package uh, for 40 bucks and ended up getting like 50 photos. So Willie Rebecca, it's like a dollar a photo. So I think I, I think I made it. I think I made it to your, your cutoff. We got some great pictures, got some great video up in the air parasailing of the ship. It was just a lot of fun. The crew was really nice and a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, we made it a really fun experience. Water was really calm. I think they called it Lake Pacific at one point. So uh, it was great. Great experience. Highly recommend the parasailing. It's really safe. If you haven't done it before, you're nervous. Uh, actually, the guy on the boat who was with his wife, they had never parasailed before. He was quite nervous about it. He came down grinning from ear to ear. So they had a great time. Uh, after parasailing, uh, we were supposed to come back to the ship because because they were still doing the bubble tour experience uh, where they wanted so they wanted me to tender back to the ship, check in and then go back on the island. Uh, I found a crew member on the island, actually myself and the other couple did. And we're like, do we really have to now sail back to the ship? We're all over 18 and we're all, you know, we all have to be vaccinated. And he was like, no, no you can stay on the island. So I wandered over to get coffee at the Catalina Cookie Company. Again, another great recommendation from Mikhail. I had a lovely iced mocha, so much so that I went back after lunch and got a second one. It was delicious. Uh, actually, I also tried one of their chocolate chip cookies in the afternoon, which was also delicious, as I would suppose it would be, since they're the Catalina Cookie and Coffee Company. Uh, and then I wandered back after getting some video of the town. I wandered back to meet up with Sam and Nathan. They had a cute little park right by the tender port. Uh, and so they had some swings. And then down the way, they had more of a jungle gym. And then further down, they had kind of a climbing play area. So lots of little parks for kids to play on. Catalina Island does not have, they have some automobiles, like gas powered automobiles, but not a lot. Primarily townsfolk get around with golf carts. And so... Uh, the other recommendation we got from Dan and Mikhail was to rent a golf cart and they have a tour that goes just around the island in the golf cart, takes you up on uh, some of the hillsides. So you get some great views of the harbor. You can stop and see some of the sites, uh, but it's you drive the golf cart, you rent the golf cart, you drive it. Two main places in town to rent the golf carts. There's one really close to the port, it's $60 an hour. And if you buy two hours, you get the third one for free. Uh, they are an all cash operation. You have to give them the 120 up front in case you run over your hour and then they prorate you back the, the time you don't spend basically. One just down the road from them charges the same amount, but they'll take credit cards. So two spots you can rent them from. Uh, the golf carts are governed, so meaning they can't go over, I think it's 13 miles an hour. Pro tip I got from the guy renting the golf carts was if you're ready to do the tour, rent the golf cart. If you're planning on touring around downtown and doing some shopping and that kind of stuff, wait and rent the golf cart when you're done because you can't take the golf carts through most of the sort of downtown main area. Yeah. And you can't park them down there. You're not supposed to drive them in certain areas, but you also can't park them down there. And so he said, do whatever you're going to do downtown and then come rent the cart or rent the cart and then bring it back and then go do whatever you're going to do kind of in the downtown waterfront area. So uh, we did opt to go ahead and rent the cart and do the tour because it was still early enough in the morning. We thought we could get the tour done and then have some lunch. Fabulous tour around the island. I thought, what did you think of the tour around the island, Sam? Yeah, I thought it was great. It, when Brian says tour, it's a it's a self taken tour. It's a, they just give you a map and sort of and it's labeled as to what the sites are on the island. Really right. The the sites and the views are on the island. Now we got fabulous views of the Disney Wonder. You know, Disney the Disney Wonder was anchored out in the water a little bit, so not too far off the the coast of Catalina. But it, it's too big of frankly, all of the cruise ships are too big to dock in Catalina. So that's what Brian was talking about by tendering. In fact, it was lovely to watch from our balcony. We were able to watch the tenders loading uh, to head back and forth uh, to and from Catalina because of where we were on the ship. But yeah, we had some great views. 
Um, it's a lovely island with a botanical garden. We drove by the botanical garden. We did not go into the botanical garden. That would have added quite a bit of time to our trip. There are parts of the island you cannot access because it's a nature preserve. That's where there are bison, also known as buffalo, on the island from a movie that was filmed here many, many years ago. It was really a, a lovely drive. There were times where Nathan was quite anxious because we were on, you know, a very high uh, hillside, and the, you know, it's they're dirt roads. They're not um, a lot of the roads are actually paved, I and mean, they're, but they're not guardrailed. You know, they're cliffs without big guardrails. So Nathan was a little nervous, but you know, look, Nathan gets nervous easily, and so I would not say that it would be a nerve wracking experience for anyone. You're in a golf cart. You're on a road. It's only going 13 miles an hour. Like it's not, you're, you're not at risk of flying off of a cliff anytime. I did, I did want to say two quick things. One about the tenders that Sam mentioned. So uh, normally when Disney Cruise Line tenders, they'll use their lifeboats for tendering. This was a private tender company and they were using very large boats to tender, which I think made the tendering process very quick and very easy. We were sailing concierge, so we had the ability to just basically go to the lounge and they would express us down to the the tender. Otherwise, people were headed to animators to wait to join a, a tender group to get on. We didn't hear about any major backups with the tenders at any point. They seemed to be running every 10 minutes between the port and the ship. And so very smooth process. Only the quick thing I wanted to say was uh, the weather on our cruise. As we talk about these ports that we visited, the weather on the cruise, not the greatest. It's been very cool down here. And so... Most days the high was hitting, you know, mid 60s. Now I will say in the sun on Catalina, it felt a lot warmer, which was nice, but it was still long pants and, you know, a, a t-shirt maybe with a, 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 a light jacket and in the sun, you could take it off. I think I had shorts on and like a pullover or something. So it was, it was a nice day. It was not a bad day, but it was not beach weather and certainly not pool weather. So, yeah. Yeah. So what I was saying about the the tour, we got to see the campground that is here or was there on the island. We got to see where folks live on the island, which there's about 4,000 people who live on the island. There are a couple of homes that were famous. Um, they were owned by the Wrigley family. So there was like the Wrigley Junior home. And then there was the Wrigley, I think like, I think they call it plantation, but a larger property basically. So there, it was interesting. Um, the downtown area is called uh, the city of Avalon. It's part, you know, it's part of California, Catalina, but um, the city of Avalon, California is sort of the main downtown. Uh, after we returned our golf carts, we walked around downtown, did a little bit of shopping, did a little park time, went to a, a nice restaurant. Um, also a recommendation from Mikel and Dan from Sometime Sailing. Uh, it was called the Blue Water uh, Avalon. And so, you know, had Brian had fish and chips. I had a burger. Nathan had a burger. Uh, oh, Brian had a clam chowder that was excellent as well. Yeah, it was a really nice spot right on the water. We decided to sit inside because it was quite chilly. You know, the only disappointment, Brian, from the entire trip to Catalina is there was no Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> Catalina wine mixer, largest <laughs> helicopter leasing event on the West Coast. They actually do have a legit Catalina wine mixer now. They started after the movie that uh, made it famous, Step Brothers. Uh, they've started their own Catalina wine mixer, which is more of a it's a wine and concert kind of uh, kind of event. But yes, no Catalina wine mixer for us. I will say the other disappointment was that the casino, which is a an attraction that they have at Catalina, they have a it's called the casino. It's not actually a casino any longer. It's more of a theater venue, but it is something that's been on the island since the I don't know. The, 20s, 30s, 40s. 50s. Yeah, I mean, it's, it has been with the island forever. It is a landmark on the island. Closed on Thursdays when we were in port, so there were no tours available of the casino. 
If you're a scuba diver, we did see a lot of scuba diving happening uh, in and around the casino. There were scuba divers uh, and vendors and, you know, have the wetsuits and all that stuff. Uh, if it is warm enough for you to get a beach day in, I did notice if you walk all the way across downtown, which, by the way, walking across downtown takes three minutes. Like, let's be clear. It's like a three to five minute walk. It's not a long walk. If you keep walking past the casino down this sort of uh, waterfront road, you hit a beach area that looks like it has cabanas and bars and that sort of stuff. So if you're looking for just like, I'm going to go to Catalina and hang out on the beach, they have that option uh, as well. So lunch was excellent. We also forgot to mention Nathan had a really fun drink at lunch. It was like a blueberry cooler with uh, two gummy sharks suspended over top. And then they poured like some red, like I think cherry juice into it. So it looked like blood in the water and the sharks were swimming. So it was, it was a fun little drink for him. And then we just wrapped up our day at Catalina doing a little shopping around the downtown area, took Nathan back to the park to get some more wiggles out. We were back on the ship, but it was a full day in Catalina. We uh, we were off the ship most of the day. Uh, got back on probably around three thirty. All aboard was four forty five. So uh, it was a it was a fun day, a fun port stop. That's one of the fuller port stop days we've had. I would say Catalina for me ranks in top three port stops outside of Castaway Key. I would say I would not rank Cast. I, I don't want to put Castaway Key. It's always going to be number one. So it just holds a little star asterisk at the top. I, I would put it up there with a couple of those Southern Caribbean ports that we really like. Yeah, I even put it over them just because I feel like I got to experience the entire port of Catalina and really kind of get a sense for it and understand what it was like and tour around it. Like we did a lot of activity in Catalina in one day in a way that I feel like some of the other ports you stop at, you have go to a tour and then you still feel like there's so much more I could have done and I, I didn't really get a chance to see it. So I liked the compactness of Catalina. Felt like just a relaxing kind of fun day in port. Uh, let's skip over to our second port, which is Ensenada, which I have labeled in the past the Nassau of the Mexican Riviera. And we have not gotten off there a ton in the past. We opted to get off this time because uh, we had a recommendation. Well, we opted to get off this time, but primarily because Dan and Mikhail's ship was in port. And so we're going to take another quick pause here because we got to meet some friends, Dan and Mikhail, from sometimes sailing in the board of Ensenada and uh, got a chance to talk to them for a few minutes. So let's hear from Dan and Mikhail for a minute. All right, we're interrupting our regularly scheduled cruise programming, trip reporting, uh, because we ran into some fun friends today as we pulled into port. We're not the only ship in Ensenada today. The princess, the majestic princess, I think it is, uh, pulled into port behind us. And lo and behold, our friends from Sometime Sailing are on board. And now we're standing here in Ensenada with them. So, Mikhail, Dan, welcome back. Thank you. This is such an amazing surprise. <laughs> Great surprise uh, to see friends in port. Always <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you have to tell us a little bit about your trip on the Majestic Princess so far. So uh, yeah, how's it been? It's been amazing. We are going closed jaw itinerary from Los Angeles to Los Angeles, stopping along the coast of California and Baja California. In We're in Ensenada now um, in Mexico. And then we went to San Diego yesterday. Before that, Santa Barbara. Before that, San Francisco. Am I missing any? No, you got it. Um, and two days at sea. So it's been great. You know, it's funny being next to a Disney ship. I think we've seen 10 children on our cruise. <laughs> it's really it's really geared towards adults, but it's nice to have some uh, youngins around us again. <laughs> and you guys are going, uh, what's your short excursion today? So we're going on a food tour. Going to sample local cuisine and just see what Baja has to offer for us. Yeah. Nice, nice. So is today the is today the last day or you have a sea day? Last day? Packing up to head home then, huh? Yeah. Going back to LA tomorrow and then flying back to North Carolina. Sam, what do you want to know about the Majestic Princess? I want to know how the food is. 
I, you know, it's funny when I heard you guys were here, we were texting this morning when we saw your ship and we knew you were on the wonder. I was like, oh my God, I have to tell Sam there's good hot dogs on board. (laughs) (laughs) There's good hot dogs in the grill. We talked about that, I think in our main episode with you guys, but the food's been good. You know, actually, so the Majestic Princess was um, created for a Chinese market. So they have Harmony. It's a Chinese restaurant on board that they don't have on any other princess sh- princess ship. And um, they also have this chopsticks noodle bar that's by the pool. And it's ramen, mostly. Mm-hmm. Like, three different dishes every day. And one of them's always ramen. Another's a, like, wonton noodle yeah. soup. And then there's always, like, a rotating one. I have to say, that's been a favorite. I'm, like, a tough ramen critic. but And, look, <laughs> it's not, like, you know, New York City or Japan's ramen. But it's pretty damn good. See? <laughs> Sam does love good Asian noodles. So Princess Majestic Princess, Sam, put it in the back of your, your memory. Well, we hope you guys have a fabulous time in Ensenada. We don't hold you up from your port excursion. So have a fabulous time. And so great that we flew all the way to Ensenada. All right. Well, sailed all the way to Ensenada, all the way to Ensenada just to meet up. It's, it seems to be the way it is with us. So have a fabulous time, guys. Perfect. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing sponsors over at Touring Plans. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own Disney vacations and just love, love, love our Touring Plans Travel Specialist. She waits on hold when we don't have time. She monitors cruise deals for us and rebooks to get us lower rates on some of the cruise lines that actually where the prices actually do go down, <laughs> like Disney Cruise Line. Uh, so she does watch those rates for us and rebook. She steers us toward cruises we would like and room categories and gives us suggestions. And so while we have our preferences, she's always there and available to help us out. And when we plan a parks vacation, it's just gotten so complicated of late with all the new genie technology and everything. Like I need to rely on someone who really understands what's going on. And she absolutely helps us there as well. So we love the folks over at Touring Plans. What we love most is that the philosophy of Touring Plans aligns with the philosophy of our own podcast. We're not out to sell you a Disney vacation. We're not travel agents ourselves. And so we just like to give our honest opinions and reviews. And I think you'll find the folks over at Touring Plans will also give you their honest opinions and reviews of different sailings and ships uh, and steer you toward the thing that they think is the best for your family. So Remember, you don't pay anything extra to use a travel agent, especially when booking Disney vacations. Disney pays the travel agent at the time you travel. You're leaving money on the table. If you don't use a travel agent, you're certainly leaving expertise on the table if you don't. So we highly recommend the folks over at Touring Plans. Head over there. Check them out. Touringplans.com slash travel. Let them know the DCL Duo sent you to help support the show. And with that, back to our episode. All right, we're back. So we are now in the port of Ensenada. Let's just say we I wanted to get off because a listener had recommended a spot to go get margaritas and a spot to get lunch. We took the shuttle from the port to this central Ensenada area. I want to say first and foremost, I think we got scammed on the shuttle uh, because I think there was a free shuttle from the port to the downtown area, but we kind of found our way onto a shuttle that was $4 per person. Yeah, we're not sure about that. I might check that out the next time we're there, which should be in a few days, uh, just to see if there was a free shuttle or not. Uh, But we got on this paid shuttle, fine, got to the downtown area. The downtown area is one of the most aggressive I've seen outside of Nassau. Uh, Lots of kids, you know, trying to sell you things, lots of adults using their kids to try and sell you things, lots of adults trying to sell you things. And I understand it is, it is a, let me say this, it is a sad situation for these families in Ensenada, but it does not make for a great experience visiting that downtown area. It's quite aggressive. I didn't think it could get any more aggressive. Spoiler, it did. So when we got off, we decided, well, this area feels just a little too 
touristy for us to be wandering around in. And the tour company had said, well, we have this you know, tour over to La Bufadora, which has a very nice shopping area and a place where you can get some food. And we'll drive you over there. You can see the blowhole. You can do a little shopping. You can get some food. And, and the blowhole is a natural wonder, and it's actually the biggest blowhole in the world. There's two others similar to it, but they're both smaller. And I was supposed to be kayaking to the blowhole. So that's part of the reason we got off the ship was I was supposed to be doing kayaking. It had gotten canceled uh, due to sea conditions that day. And so we thought, well, well, let's go over there. I talked Sam into doing it. And it, I will say this. It was a mistake of a shore excursion. So we first time we've ever done a shore excursion, not through Disney. Not a great experience. We paid the $25 per person. They drove us out there. It was a long bus ride. That can't be helped. It's a long bus ride no matter who you go with. Uh, the tour guide was nice on the bus ride. When we get to La Bufadora, it's basically, I'll call it, you know, a half mile to three quarters of a mile of outdoor vendor stalls selling all of the tourist tchotchke you can imagine. In Mexico, T-shirts, mocajetes, uh, you know, any manner of woodwork stuff, leather, fake purses, you know, jewelry. Um, I'm putting air quotes around that that you can't see. Lots of tequila, lots of uh, stuffed, you know, stuffed animals and little toys and tchotchkes for the kids. Um, those little drum things that are actually, I think, Chinese or Japanese. <laughs> churros and just lots of stuff. And what happened is the tour guide has sort of said, OK, we're going to walk all the way down to the blowhole so you can see the blowhole. And before we start walking, she said, oh, there's a taco spot over here named Lydia's that will get really crowded. So what I recommend is we get to the blowhole and then you come back and you go to Lydia's and you get lunch and then you can do your shopping. We're like, Sounds great to me. Um, but as we're wandering down this street, supposedly going straight to the blowhole, she's bouncing from stall to stall to stall with the friends that she knows, getting trying to get us to take samples. And I'm like, I don't want to take samples uh, right now. Walking into a restaurant that has like a they have like a tiger petting area or something like this and trying to get us, you know, get familiar with that so they can sell us to do the do the pictures. Ultimately, it took us 20 minutes to do what was probably a five minute walk down to this blowhole because they're trying to sell us all of this stuff before we even get there. And the, and the phrase they would use is on your way back. Stop here on your way back. Stop here. I'm just like, so finally got to the blowhole. Blowhole was really cool to see. It was actually a little bit active on the day we saw it. It was not as active as it could be, but it was a little bit active on the day we saw it. Uh, saw the blowhole. Nathan really enjoyed that part of it. Got to see some pictures and that sort of thing. But I found running the gauntlet there, but especially running the gauntlet back without the guide, the people were just really pushy, getting in your face, like trying to walk you over to their stall, uh, even when you were saying, no, I'm not interested or trying to ignore them. And so I, I hate that experience as a tourist. I do not like it. Uh, and so I was really disappointed to see that kind of thing because that wasn't the experience that we were sold on. So I don't know if you have any more thoughts. I do want to talk about Lydia's, which I thought was the only redeeming quality of this uh, this excursion. Yeah, I would have to echo. I mean, there was one who got like right up to one shopkeeper who got right up to like Nathan and I and kind of like split in between us. And I, that felt very uncomfortable. I did not like that. And so I had to walk around him and grab Nathan's hand and keep moving. Nathan was great. He understood that I was just saying no, thank you. And we were keeping, you know, keeping moving. And so but it was frustrating to experience that. Now, I will say the blowhole was a, a really fantastic sight. So I'm glad I did it for that one reason. But I am disappointed we did it for all of the other reasons that you have mentioned as well. Uh, let's talk about Lydia's, though. It was really um, a good spot to get tacos. It's apparently become very popular with the folks on the cruises who are willing to sort of head over to Bufadora and kind of skip the shopping or put up with the shopping routine. 
We had some wonderful tacos, uh, guacamole, quesadillas, some great margaritas. Uh, it was a good spot. So if you do find yourself in Bufadora, I don't want to turn people off to going to see the blowhole. I would just might sort of pick the Disney excursion as opposed to the one that we were on. I know that Disney has an excursion that will drive you out to the blowhole for a tour. I would guess it would stop at the shopping area, but I guess I'm hoping the tour guide on a Disney excursion would not bounce you from stall to stall the way ours did. But It might be a little bit better if there are more ships at port. There were just two ships at port and both ships were not full. So the, the Majestic Princess was maybe at like half capacity and we were at maybe two thirds capacity. And so I think that might have made the shopkeepers even more aggressive because there were less people. So they could really get right up in your face. And so maybe it's better when there's more ship support. Yeah. Although then Lydia's is going to get really crowded. Right. So, I mean, the, the nice thing was we got back to Lydia's and there was plenty of space for us to order and sit down, have a leisurely lunch. As I said, we had some really delicious tacos, very cheap food, in my opinion. I tried a carne asada taco with cheese and fixins. And then I had a chicken taco, cheese and fixins. Carne asada was better, in my opinion, than the chicken. In fact, I ended up ordering another one. And then both Sam and I had the lobster tacos, which they just had a big, large, like, you know, pan with boiling butter and they were just cooking lobster in it continuously. And so the lobster taco was really, really good. Nathan had a quesadilla and a taco and enjoyed it. Uh, we had some chips and guacamole. I'd say the chips were okay. They were a little on the, um, the overdone slash burnt side of things. Margaritas were delicious. What I liked most is that we were able to sort of have a leisurely lunch. So basically, we we walked the gauntlet to the blowhole, walked the gauntlet back, and then sat at Lydia's for about an hour having lunch and drinks and you know not being run off or anything like that. And then we got back on the bus to head back. Other reason to do the Disney excursion was that on our bus ride on the way back, we got caught in quite a bit of traffic to the point that Sam missed a spa appointment that she had booked. Thankfully, the concierge smoothed that over and it was rebooked uh, for later in the day. And so she she had a pedicure uh, later in the day. But the traffic was really bad. Uh, it was making people nervous about missing uh, the ship. Ultimately, I was not too nervous because we still had like two and a half hours and you know we, we made it just fine. But it's a reason to do the Disney excursion. If they're running late, Disney will wait. Uh, if you're on a non-Disney excursion... And you're running late while you're driving to the, uh, well, not the Ensenada airport because they don't have one. You're driving to the, the Tijuana airport, I suppose. So we're back to San Diego. So anyway, would not do that excursion again. I would say for Ensenada, I'd either go with the Disney excursion or I did notice that when the shuttle dropped us off downtown, we were very close to a Hertz rental car place. And if you have a U.S. driver's license, you can rent a car in Mexico. Uh, and I would at least consider if I really wanted to go to the blowhole again or I wanted to you know take friends to see it. Just renting a car for the day, driving out there. It was not a difficult drive. Just driving out there, parking, seeing the blowhole, getting lunch and coming back into town. So I would I would not recommend just the off the street excursion. Sam wants to just uh, wrap up with a few things on board. And then um, we will not talk about disembarkation in this show. We'll talk about disembarkation, reembarkation, the back to back process for our next sailing. But Sam, why don't you uh, wrap us up with some things on board? Yeah. So I wanted to note a couple of things on board that were going on with COVID protocols. Uh, in particular, the hot tub and the pool still had limited capacity. I never saw a line, though, at the pool, probably because it was kind of cold. So none of the pools were ever full. Um, but the hot tub, they were only still allowing one family or one party in at a time. And it was a limit of 15 minutes because there were other people waiting. So that was one thing. 
that I wanted to make note of. Another thing I wanted to make note of is we did the rainforest room again. Again, it was a private reservation. So it was hour and 45 minutes. The last private reservation, the last one. I mean, there might have been some other people in it later in the day, but we were on the, this was on the last day of the cruise at like two o'clock in the afternoon. I don't think it was booked up for the rest of the cruise. So one of the last private reservations on board because spoiler alert for our next sailing, rainforest room is back. $15 day passes. I've got one. So we're going to try that. I'm probably going to try that out with my friend and see what it's like. And if they learned anything about keeping that place uh, clean and sanitized and not overbooked or not. Right. And the other thing I would note is we had there were staggered dinner seating times. So our dinner seating, we were at main dinner seating. We had a 555 dinner time and there were other folks that were had different times to show up a little bit before, a little bit after and same for the for the late dining. So it was staggered dining still. And spoiler alert, that has since changed for this sailing. So there's a lot of changes between our first and second sailings. And we'll talk about those later in our next show. All right, we're taking another quick break from our trip report to have your favorite guest back on the show, Nathan, who makes us the DCL trio, not the DCL duo. Nathan, we're going to talk about our first cruise that we took to Catalina, where we took the golf cart trip. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Did you like stopping at Catalina Island, buddy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you tell me what you liked about stopping at Catalina Island? Give me some, give me some fun things you got to do at Catalina. Go to the park and go on the swing. And you went to a park that had a big climbing structure, right? Mm-hmm. Which park did you like better? The one with the swing, the one with the climbing structure, or the big with the one with the big rope climbing structure? Uh, the one with the swing. Did you like the golf cart tour, buddy? Yeah. What did you like about it? The whole thing. I like seeing the shipping part. <laughs> you got a little nervous on the golf cart tour, though, right? Yeah. Why was that? Because we were driving right next to a cliff. But daddy's a good driver, right? We, we were safe. Yeah. And you had a seatbelt, so that was a good thing, right? You had a special drink at lunch that was a lot of fun, too. What was your special drink at lunch? Uh, it was a blue drink with gummy sharks. <laughs> and did they pour something into it? Yeah, they poured, like, strawberry juice uh, to make it look like blood. (laughs) (laughs) And the sharks were suspended over the top of the drink, right? Yeah. Was it good? Yep, it it tasted like a it tasted like a fizzy soda. And then we went to Ensenada, and you got to see something fun in Ensenada. Do you remember we walked all the way down to the end of that row of shops, and what did you get to see? Uh, a blowhole. Did you like that? Was it fun? Yeah, the only thing that wasn't fun is that we had to keep saying no thank you to the people inviting us into the shop. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really have stuff we wanted anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. How was your lunch in Ensenada? Remember the taco place we ate at? Was it a good lunch? Yep. Yeah. What was your favorite thing you got to do on board the the ship, buddy? Play in the pool. You like the pool? Did you have a favorite activity on the cruise on the last kids club? Did you do, you did Toy Story Boot Camp, right? What was that like? It was good. Uh, So uh, one of the green soldiers shows up and you like do games. What was one of the games you had to do? Where they had uh, platoons, and and it was everyone in different groups, and they would and they would name them, and and whenever he caught out the name of yours, you would have to uh, you would have to do a certain thing based on that character in the movie. 
Like there was Woody, Jesse, and Buzz. For Buzz, you ha- they have to say to infinity and beyond. For uh, Woody, uh, they ha- they have to say there's a snake in my boot. And then for Jesse, they have to say yeehaw. Nice. Well, it sounds like you had a fun cruise. You enjoyed it. Yes? Yes. All right. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up there. We had a fabulous last sea day. Uh, We'll talk about the disembarkation process on the next show. Uh, I won't spoil it. Let's just say get get ready for a rant but anyway um had a have fabulous last sea day it was a fabulous cruise overall a lot of fun um really like the fact that the ports were kind of a, a a thing for us this time around because we spent the days off the ship primarily uh so glad we got to experience the ports not sure i'll get off in ensenada again to be perfectly honest although i do love those tacos in mexico so more to come about this second sailing as we are back to back and we've got a lot of changes to talk about on the back to back side of things but uh yeah more to come See you later. See ya. Well, thanks as always for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed it. So with that, just thanks to everyone out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star reviews. We love reading the reviews from our listeners and connecting with you in that way. And we love reading them on the main show each week. So head over, leave us those five-star reviews. We've got a few left to read, but we'll run out quickly. So don't miss your chance. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at DCL dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can browse over to youtube.com slash dclduo to see some of the videos we put up from our vacations. And if you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash dclduo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping to defray the cost of this show each and every month. You can also support the show by browsing to touringplans.com slash travel to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. Just let them know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney Cruise or Disney Vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Mm-hmm.